I do think that everybody is a theologian because theology just means theo is God and ology is the study of. So it's the study of or thinking about God. Welcome to She Leads, a podcast about leadership, faith, and relationships. I'm your host, Thea, and I'm so glad that you tuned in. Thank you again for all the support and the likes. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to learn more about the She Leads story, please visit the She Leads website where you can learn that as well as find some merch and other opportunities to support the show. Today, I am really excited to welcome Sarah Stone, um, who I'm going to let her introduce herself and how we got connected. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Sarah Stone, I am the executive director of Theology on Tap, which is a ministry to, well, really everyone in Houston over good craft beer and good conversation. We'll get more into that. But, um, and I don't even remember quite how we got connected. Somebody in my Bible study said, you should know this lady. And that's all I really know, actually. Yeah. So uh, locally here in Pearland, there was a a, a little community impact paper who was interviewing podcasters, which actually I got connected with through Pearland Podcast Studios. And then when talking to her, she said, you should talk to Sarah. Okay. And and then I just reached out and you're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So Um, here we are. Which is great. So awesome. Thank you so much. Let's just jump into it. You mentioned your executive director of Theology on Tap. How do you define theology? Sometimes that's a big, hard, scary word that people don't always know what they mean. So since this is your job, Mm -hmm. how do you define that word? It's funny. I knew you were going to ask this question. I almost brought one. We have like a prop for our photo booth that says everyone's a theologian. I thought about bringing it with me and showing it. It's a little cheesy, so I didn't, but I do think that everybody is a theologian because theology just means theo is God and ology is the study of. So it's the study of or thinking about God, big things, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think anytime somebody thinks about, is there a God? What might that God be like? What's out there in the universe? Who did all of this? If anybody, who, who you know, interacts with me in this sort of maybe spiritual way? Who am I? Why am I like this? I mean, all those questions are part of being a theologian. So I do think everyone's a theologian. I think everybody does theology, even when they don't realize it, when you're driving or you're in the shower, you're doing theology. Anytime you're thinking about like, man, why did I react like that in that fight? Am I built that way? Is that part of who I am? Is that something I need to not be like? Mm. Is there someone that can help me with that? Do I have a soul? I mean, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's broad, but the study of God mm-hmm. is the actual, you know? Yeah. Why is this something you're passionate about? Why would you put all your time and effort into an organization devoted yeah. to theology? Yeah. Well, it got its roots. Uh, there's kind of a funny story you probably don't have time for, but it actually got its roots from online dating. Maybe a story for another day. But I'm passionate about it because if God is real, and when I say God, I'm talking about the God of the Judeo-Christian tradition, the God of the Christian Bible. Um, if that God is real then everything changes. Um, That means a lot of things. It means that we have been created. It means that there's something special about us. It means that there's uh, some life outside of this. There's more to this. There's eternal life. Um, And and that's important, right? I mean, if there's eternal life and, you know, the Southern Baptists were right, there's like a good place and a bad place, and we ought to kind of figure that out. But more than that, um, I believe that there is real, and I've experienced this, freedom, peace, joy, life, love to be had here and now if you know him. So I want everyone to know him. Um, and I, I do interact with a lot of people that don't believe what I believe. I have a couple groups that I run at my house um, and just friends. I call them fringies because they're on the fringe of faith, um, meaning they a lot of them don't believe. They're atheists, agnostics, or been wounded by the church. 
Um, and so we talk all the time about this and I tell them, I am your friend no matter what, because I love you. If you decide that you want to know Jesus and follow him, I would be ecstatic because I want you to have all of the good things that come with that. Mm. So that's why I think it's important. When you explained this, you know, why you care about theology and just this description you gave about who you see God as, right. And, and that impact, um, I want to be like, so why don't you work for the church? Yeah. So tell me about theology yeah. on tap. How? Yeah. What is that mission? And even um, how does beer help in talking Girl, about something like theology? Everything. <laughs> you know that phrase in vino veritas? I know that's about wine, but you know we can appropriate it. Uh-huh. So I was working at a church. I was working at a church doing uh, young adult and singles ministry. Um, and that's where I actually started Theology on Tap. I was doing something called Theology on Tap. That's like not original to us. Lots of people use that phrase, but we now have it coined for Texas at least. Um, and it was just a roundtable conversation with people of different perspectives. A Methodist, go Methodists, um, reached out to me and was asking about what we do. And we were comparing stories about young adult ministry and how hard it is at these big churches on the west side of town, which are in these affluent areas. They're not getting a lot of singles and young adults. So the big Baptist churches can throw a barn dance and get like 300 people. And we're out here like celebrating double digits, you know? Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, what if we kind of combined our efforts? And so that's how Theology on Tap was born. And that's how it sort of accidentally started being, the fancy word is ecumenical, meaning mm-hmm. a lot of different perspectives within Christianity talking together. So it started that way. It's grown since. And then, uh, I mean, if I'm just being real raw, yeah. I lost my job in December. Mm. Um, I loved my job. Um, and then I kept interviewing for places and I'm like, well, when I take this job, I am going to bring theology on tap with me because I love it. And mm-hmm. people were like, that just doesn't work that way. You're not like a lawyer with accounts. You just bring right. them in, you know? <laughs> so I realized, okay, this may be God's way of saying, this is your baby. You can launch it as a nonprofit, which is what we did earlier this year. Um, and so we've been growing it. And now that it's my, I has all my time and attention. It's not just part of what I do. I get to do all the fun stuff like expanding it and um, reaching more people and thinking of creative ways to reach all the different audiences that we have. And now I realize I'm not even answering your question, I don't You're think. Fine. But that's why no. I'm not in a church. Yeah. And I do think it's important um, that Christians be in what we call these third spaces, right? Places that um, there are plenty of people who are not going to come to church, even some Christians, but definitely some non-Christians. Um, and so, but they would come to this. And the funny thing is, you mentioned the beer, uh, we often will host these at churches, and the, a place where somebody would normally not come, they will come because of the beer, even if they don't drink the beer. Mm. So this is fascinating. We've learned that um, it, we learned this after COVID because our first post-COVID ones were at a brewery that was actually keeping tabs on every single beer. We give people two drink tickets. We assume they do with that whatever they want: drink two, drink one, drink none. But when we were counting it, we realized it was something like a third of what we thought we would give away. We don't sell it if the TABC is listening. We give it away. Um, it was about a third. And I, in talking to people, anecdotally, I've realized the idea that we would have it, that they could have it, makes us approachable, accessible, uh, safe. So they know, like, we're not, you know, I don't know, a crazy cult or something, or at least a cult with beer. <laughs> Better than Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know what? That could be our new tagline. Anyway. <laughs> So, yes, I think beer helps because yeah. it's it kind of loosens things socially, even if you're not drinking it. Just knowing that it's there is like a, okay, these people can't be too weird kind yeah. of factor. I, that is a, a really great insight to notice that, that, again, it's not even about like, 
I need the beer. Right. But having it present does... Um, Takes just, down some walls. And what you just said, it's just more approachable. Yeah. 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 Um, and especially if you are talking about this big thing like mm-hmm. theology, which mm-hmm. I love how you, again, broke that down. It's just, what do you think about God? Yeah. You know, I've had, you know, in seminary and my church is asking me, well, what is that? What, how am I supposed to look at this with a theological view? And I'm like, well, through what you believe about God. Mm-hmm. What does this tell you about God? Mm-hmm. How does what you know and believe about God affect your view mm-hmm. of this particular thing? Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, that's all it means? And you're like, yeah. But that thing you just described is becoming more and more rare, especially generationally speaking. I mean, I I don't mean to keep beating up. We were talking before the recording started about millennials and Gen Z. I have a couple Gen Z kids. I hang out with millennials all the time. They're awesome. But that thing you just described where your worldview is the lens through which you see everything, how you behave, how others behave, how the world ought to work, your politics, how you spend your money, what you do with your body, all that kind of stuff. I think less and less is actually happening. I think uh, I just listened to a podcast recently with um, one of the Barna folks, mm-hmm. and he said what we used to call nuns, N-O-N-E-S, right? The They don't check a box of religion. We now call them the don'ts. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in God and they don't care. Mm-hmm. It's not even on their radar. So when I say everyone's a theologian, yes, you're thinking about theological things without realizing it, but I don't think it is affecting any of your day-to-day stuff mm-hmm. for so many people. And that makes me... I mean, in one sense, it makes me sad because they're losing out on so much, but it's also kind of an exciting frontier. Like, hey, if we can reach them with the hook of beer and interesting people, community, networking, maybe fun in love, mm-hmm. um, then we can start to, you know, move that needle a little bit. Like, what if you actually took this whole God thing seriously when you thought about all those things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What else are you learning through these theological conversations yeah. What are some big things that have just kind of like blew your mind? Because you, I, I mean, you have very smart participants and guests on your yeah. podcast and at the event. Um, so what are some things you're learning by daring to like approach this really big topic? Um, I, well, first of all, I'm the MC for most of these. I've only ever been a guest speaker or panelist once. So I'm, I'm just lobbing the questions up to the panelists and listening But I have had my mind changed on various things Uh, and then changed back sometimes because people make really compelling cases. One thing about Theology on Tap that's really special is that our leadership team is made of lots of different denominations, which is, of course, just a fancy way of saying a slightly different perspective of how to approach God and the Bible, right? So we have like Presbyterians and Lutherans and Baptists and Episcopalians and Methodists and non-denom, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Um... But what that means is that people get to, in real time, in one event, hear various perspectives and counter arguments to whatever the topic is. So maybe we're talking about sexuality. Maybe we're talking about heaven and hell, right? Um, I'm I'm hesitant to actually say certain actual things I've changed my mind about. So people come for me like, I can't believe you believe that. Come to Theology on Tap and argue with us. But I have definitely had my faith honed and probably more importantly, realized I was wrong about some things I probably held too tightly. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what's the benefit you find? I mean, some could say you're absurd to just open up the doors, give people alcohol and then give them something spicy, really big to fight about. Right. So what do you see the benefit in that? Well, first let me say we do love to spar, but we also place a really high value on what we call charitable disagreement. Mm -hmm. So We agree about some really core things. We agree that we want you to know and follow Jesus. 
we agree that we love each other and that we are all going to have a good laugh one day on the other side of this life about who was right and who was wrong. And we have a really rich sense of humor among us. Um, in fact, one of the questions that came in at our recent panel was, can Calvinists, which is kind of a fancy word for like Presbyterians and reform folks, uh, and Wesleyans, Methodists, be friends. And my dear friend, who is a Methodist, was on the yeah. panel and she said, well, yeah, we're friends. I mean, so we yeah. have a healthy sense of humor and and arguing about these kind of things. But to answer your question, part of why we do it is because the world does not do it. Hmm. What's another place that you can do that? You can't do that at church, most churches. You can't really do it at home or at a bar without people getting kind of spicy. Um the fact that we can charitably disagree, meaning come back at the end of the day, love each other, changes things. And even if you take sort of religion and God out of it, the world is really bad at this right now. I don't know if you've noticed, but like civil discourse has kind of gone out the window. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Republican, you can't really be friends with a Democrat, really, if you're going to really get into it and talk about it. But you can at Theology on Tap. It is this wonderfully special space. Yeah. I love that so much because that is definitely one of my uh, hopes and dreams and often complaints or or heartaches about the church Mm -hmm. is that why couldn't we be the place in the world where we, we know we disagree Mm -hmm. and yet can still be in relationship, can still be in loving relationship. I believe it's one of our calls. Yeah. um, This whole Gentile, Jew, slave yeah. or free, male yeah. or woman. Yeah, we're different. Yeah. And yet we are unified by this one common belief. And 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 that would be big enough for us to, you know, sit in the pew together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm no, I'm sure you're not um unaware of the dis- disaffiliation and schism that the United Methodist Church has yeah. just faced. And throughout that entire thing, it was just so that was one of the hard parts that was so hard for me because mm-hmm. What I also recognize by being a pastor, being in a relationship with these people, knowing where they stood, where they maybe not have told each other, but I, I remember you've sat next to each other disagreeing for 60 years. Right. Why can we no longer do that? Yeah. Why do we have to decide that now we can't even claim the same name, which we, we are still doing even, mm-hmm. because that there's a disagreement yeah. or there is potential for a future disagreement? Yeah. Um, and so I love that you said that, you know, theology on tap is a place where we can do that and we can do that with love and joy. Um, mm-hmm. I, my husband and I, I went to an event and there was so much high energy in the room. It was, again, a lot of really, really smart talk. And then just like people liking it that they're there having fun, young people, way yeah. more young people than I have in my church, <laughs> excited to talk about this big, hard, scary thing mm-hmm. of theology and science, which was the topic that day. And, yeah. Um, and that wasn't even really a spicy one. You should come back for a spicy one. Yeah. <laughs> well, one. we got into dinosaurs. Which was, okay. Which was super, Is that spicy? I don't super know. fun. Okay. It's spicy when I'm pretty. I will out. say just one caveat to what sure. you said. Um, theology on tap is not church. Mm-hmm. So we do get to do some things there that I think churches don't just really have the freedom to do. Mm. Because some of what you're talking about, I don't want to get into the whole Methodist schism, yeah. but lots of churches have divided over things. Sure. Some of them are dumb. Some of them are really important. Some of them are actual gospel issues. Um, and so the nice thing about Theology on Tap is that I have brothers and sisters on our leadership team who I disagree with about really important things. Do I think it's going to, quote, send them to hell? No. Do I think it's important enough that maybe the church has to actually have hard conversations? Yeah. yeah. But in Theology on Tap, 
thankfully. Like we have a woman pastor, oh, clutch your pearls. Um, and there are plenty of people that don't think we should have women pastors in the church. Well, guess what? Theology on Tap's not church. Yeah. So everyone can cool their jets yeah. and just have a conversation, which is what we're doing in December if this comes out before then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just want to delineate that I do think some of those topics are really important. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to plant a flag because I think the Bible does. Mm. But in Theology on Tap, because we're not a church, we can say, okay, so they have their flag there and we have ours here. Why? Let's talk about it so that you and the audience can walk away going, okay, I actually never realized that's why they thought that. Right. You know? Yeah. No, it's really healthy. What are some um, other dreams you have for Theology on yeah. Tap? You said, you know, Take you over just the kind world. of... No, I'm kidding. You, you took it on full time this year. Yeah. And um, so what are, what are some of your dreams? One thing we've started, but we're just in the climbing up phase, is um, setting up an outreach team to do kind of follow-up conversations with people. Because if we have 150 people at an event... Um, I want to pull the people that have more questions out and and talk with them more. So um, sometimes that means, I should say this, our audience of Theology on Tap is the most bizarre, lovely, strange thing because about half of them, maybe less than half, are Christians and they're theology nerds. Like they want to nerd out about words that like half the people in the world have never heard, you know. And then there's a really large contingent of people who are either fringies, they're non-believers, or the Christians who've really never kind of thought about this kind of stuff before. So in our follow-up conversations, sometimes people come to nerd out more and be like, well, how could you believe that the earth was created in six Mm -hmm. days? That's insanity and millions of years old. Um, But sometimes, or at least my dream is to have conversation with the people that aren't even there. They're dipping their toe in the waters of spirituality. They don't really know what Christianity is all about. They don't really understand who Jesus is. I want to be the one or my team to say, like, hey, we'd love to introduce you to not the Jesus that you think you know from when you were little and your church was kind of aggressive about it, but who is Jesus really? So that's one of them is just follow-up conversations that would ultimately lead to people going to maybe build community in a local church Mm -hmm. or finding a small group to be a part of and grow. Um, but we also just want to grow in numbers and geographically. So we in January, we're going to try our first ever Burbs edition. I've been told not to say that because people in Sugarland don't like being called the Burbs. So sorry about that. But uh, we're going to branch out into Sugarland, Richmond, Missouri City area and see how that goes and, um, and take it from there and sort of, I mean, I don't want to call it franchise because that sounds kind of crass, but, mm. you know, yeah, expand. extend our reach. Yeah. 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 What, I'm just thinking of this question because last episode we talked about with the previous guest talked about markers and, and you know dashboard and that. So I'm like, what are your like marks of success? What are oh, your yeah. uh, accountable achie- achie- achievements? That is so hard in ministry. I know you know that. Yeah. We've tried <laughs> so I'm some, asking. Yeah, yeah. We've tried so many things. We like for a while we were having people put a poker chip in the basket if they felt like the night had had an impact on them for good or just any kind of impact, which is so broad, you know. Um, for now, most of the markers that make me feel like it's a success are anecdotal. They are mm-hmm. story, people coming up to me afterwards and saying, I never thought about it that way. I've, mm-hmm. when we do our fundraisers, I tell the story of a girl that came when I was teaching and I used a parenthetical statement, which we do a lot at the LG on tap to just kind of explain big things. But the one I used was I was talking about something in the old Testament. And I said, just in case there was someone coming that was like, I don't know what that is. I said, in the Old Testament, it's just the part of the Bible that was written before Jesus came along. And afterwards, she grabbed me and said, I have always been too embarrassed to even say that I didn't know that because that's something one ought to know. And then she was like, but I have some other questions. I'm like, 
this is what I live for. And yeah. so, of course, we met, and she asked, check this out. She asked, um, what, how many Gospels are there? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, there's, like, multiple books in the Bible that people call the Gospels, but then you also talk about the Gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that's a fantastic question, yeah. which Christians, if we've been in the game a while, like, we don't think about. So we got to have a conversation that took her eventually over the course of a few months from being an atheist to being a believer. Mm. And she's now like leading a Sunday school. So those kinds of things yeah. I have in my like arsenal of, yay, this is making a difference. But yeah. numbers wise, girl, I do not know. Because yeah. even when we have the most people that come, maybe they hate it. You know, mm. I don't think they hate it. But yeah. uh, my answer is I don't have a good answer. Sorry to say. Yeah, no, no. That's I mean, I think that's fair. And that's honest. And like you yeah. said, in ministry, um, and actually, odds are we typically, that's what we're going to go back to. It's going to be those stories. Yeah. The stories of real transformation um, where yeah. people have been willing to actually be seen. Mm-hmm. But then as a pastor, as a leader, that I'm willing to see them. Yeah. And I'm willing to walk with them and to know that and how important it is for me to know my community so mm-hmm. that those stories come out. And then mm-hmm. I'll even say, my churches love it when I tell them those stories. Yes. They Love it. They Churches love, don't do that enough. They love it when they are their own. They they are the illustration. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't yeah. like a, oh, we are transformed. We yeah. are transforming. Yeah. God is at work in us, right? Yeah. Oh, just like that. That's all it takes. Wow. You know, and that that can really go so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because I have to know them. I have to be present. I have to do more than come in my office, shut the door, right. write my sermon, and go out there and, you know, give it to them. And, Glad hand or and something. And say, yeah, yeah hope you'll, you better like it, right, or whatever. And so to really be up close and personal. And yeah. so and I love to hear that you do have that opportunity because from afar I might just feel like, well, this is an events mm-hmm. organization. Yeah. Right. And I, and as, as you say that, I was just kind of making the connection again. So the event I went to probably 100, 150 people, right? Like a Sunday morning, right? It's a, a crowd full of people and we're experiencing the whole same thing. There's a little bit of interaction, but for the most part, it's a crowd mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, oh, we have this follow up. It's, I yeah. mean, it's a small group, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a it's further a conversation. Yeah. yeah. You can actually talk. And I heard a recent church leader said, we don't grow in rows. Mm-hmm. We only grow in circles. You know, like we can that. kind of get around some people, which I'm, I've been trying to really think about that too. Like, yeah. how do I get my people out of rows? <laughs> like yeah. How do I get them in circles? Especially around a meal. Expect, yeah. And then Everything I do at my home has and, a meal. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. What other, any other big dreams you have? I mean, if like, I love to ask leaders, if you knew you could not fail, if you knew your bills were paid for the next five years, no matter what it is yeah. that you wanted to do, have you, have you been able to dream about what that might be? I mean, I would love to see something like this in lots of other cities, not just our people going to those cities, but cultivating it in those cities. Because it seems like what you either have is one denomination at a time doing their own thing, their own church, their own programming, or you have what we call interfaith. So if, you know, Houston has this, lots of places have interfaith council or interfaith ministries, but that's where you're combining different religions, and and I will just say, I don't think those religions are right. Like I, mm-hmm. um, I love my Muslim and Hindu brothers and sisters. I have them come into my home for meals. Um, but I don't think they know the tr- one true God. So, but those are two very different things, interfaith ministry and one single denomination at a time, but getting several perspectives within Orthodox Christianity, talking, kind of debating, chewing on some things, I think is really rare. I think if we could have that in lots of different cities, 
it would open up not just a space for people to have civil discourse and enjoy that and get the mm-hmm. sort of intellectual feedback of all of that, but to really know who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of what he did, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he went to lots of different people groups, mm-hmm. religious rulers and poor people and people that were doing naughty things mm-hmm. um, and talked to all of them and loved mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. So that would be, yeah, if my bills are paid. But I would like if this scenario was like they're paid for the rest of your life, yeah. not just five years. <laughs> So. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the next step someone who is theologically curious could yeah. take today? So they you, you've piqued their interest. They're starting to be a little bit more curious and they're if and they're ready to act. What would be the first next step you would suggest? I thought about making a joke like with every head bowed and every eye closed, <laughs> you know, raise that hand. Um, no, no, no. Uh, well, first of all, come to one of our events. Um, we've got a little box you can check on the paper that'll be in your seat that says you want to have follow-up conversation. We have two boxes, actually. One is I want to kind of nerd out. One is like, I just have questions. Um, but you can also talk to anybody on our leadership team, on our outreach team. We love talking to people about this kind of stuff and we are not scary. Um, I mean, I have the best team because I know that anybody could talk to any one of them and it wouldn't be pressure to convert or pressure to be part of my church. It's just going to be a real authentic conversation about Jesus. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And you used a word theologically curious. We use the phrase in our, like our tagline is inviting believers and the spiritually curious to explore big questions mm-hmm. of life and faith. So that spiritually curious, that's a big group of people. So it doesn't even have to be curiosity around Christianity. It could just yeah. be like, who am I as a person? Is there more to life than this? Um, because I believe there is. Yeah. So. Well, I love that reminder that curiosity is pretty, it's pretty good. Yes. And pretty key. Um, I also, I think I've said just recently too, just how often Jesus answered questions with a question, mm-hmm. almost as if he's like, let's play this game. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's dig in. Yeah. Let's do this. You know, yeah. um, I believe he knew all the answers and yet mm-hmm. it, your journey is more important. So let's keep asking those questions. Let's keep yeah. digging and, and don't be afraid that you don't already know something. And yeah. That you might be a little bit curious. That's a, that's a sign that you're interested. Yeah. And you want to have a Agreed, conversation. Sure. Um, if someone wants to connect with you, they want to learn more. Where yeah. should they go? How can they find you? Everything you need to know about Theology on Tap is at HoustonTOT.com. T-O-T is for Theology on Tap. Um, one of these days we're going to serve tater tots and make it a whole thing, but Houston Um, and then I'm just, I'm everywhere. I am like on all the social media. I'm an extrovert. So I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, you could probably just Google my name and theology on tap and it would come up. So awesome. all the ways. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, we'll continue the conversation in part two. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? What are your questions? What are your feedback? Where are you now, maybe theologically or spiritually curious? You can email those directly to me at sheleadscomments at gmail.com. That as well as the link to She Leads website are all in the show notes. So check it out and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. She Leads is produced by me. Thea Curry-Fusen, recorded and edited by Pearland Podcast Studios. All thoughts and expressions shared by the guests are theirs and not the organizations they're affiliated with. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week to continue the conversation on She Leads.